Every life tells a story, and through that life, an even greater story is being told. Today, we're going to hear from Lloyd Barnes, one of many voices of faith. Hi, this is Mark Matsky. Welcome to Voices of Faith. Today I have the privilege of sitting down with Lloyd Barnes, who uh, saw quite a bit of action in World War II. We're going to talk a little bit about his experiences and his life of faith in Christ. Lloyd, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor. Glad to be here. All right. First thing I want to ask you is if you could talk a little bit about uh, your upbringing and how it helped you understand who God is. Well, my mother died shortly after I was born, and my paternal grandmother raised me till I was the age of 15 when she died. She was a very good woman who went to church regularly. I naturally attended Sunday school in the town which we lived in, Wisconsin. Uh, well, they had a Methodist church, so I was baptized a Methodist. Another town we moved into was a Baptist community, so I went to a Baptist church. And then I drifted around in Milwaukee with a Catholic church because my cousins were Catholic. And when I came to Zanesville, I met a girl who belonged to the Lutheran church. So guess what? I became a Lutheran. <laughs> the rest is history, the right? The rest is history. Yeah. Yeah, I've had 62 years of beautiful wedding. Excellent. So from a very young age, you were exposed to life in the church. Yes, indeed. Matter of fact, uh, I still have a little... I think the first or New Testament Bible upstairs, which the Sunday school class sent me when I was in the service. And in there they had wrote, written that I had run that Bible by saying all the books of the New Testament, which I don't recall, of course, but <laughs> yeah. apparently I did memorize all right. Right, right. Yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, going to church in the Sunday school. Mm -hmm. Are there any... Sunday school teachers or people like that that stick out to you from that uh, you still think about? Well, no, not from back in that age. But, of course, after joining Trinity with Pastor Paul, Pastor Kudar, and yourself, you've been wonderful teachers, you're well-grounded, and you can explain the Word of God so that any dummy like me can really <laughs> understand it. And it's, it's quite a quite a privilege. Oh, well, that, that means the world to me that you would say that. I, I thank you for that. Um, you mentioned your time in the service, and that's some of what I'd like to talk about today. Um, in particular, can you share with us some, some times during your service where you felt that the hand of God was, mm -hmm. was upon you in, in what you had to do? Yes, indeed. Uh, we had a mission to take out some anti-aircraft guns so it would make it easier for the bombers to come in and hit the runway. So in this particular case, I peeled off, headed down towards what I thought was a gun position. And just like in the movies, there was an ACAC burst about halfway between the target and myself. And then the next one was about halfway between it and it just walked its way up towards me. Well, Eventually, the plane jumped in the air, and I lost control of the air aileron and the, the, the tail surface, so I went to pull out, and I had no controls. And at that particular time, I either dreamed it, 
thought it, said it, whatever, I don't know. But I did say it. I do remember the words. I said, oh, God, not now. I'm not ready. Not yet. I need more time. No. Eventually, I did find out one of the things we learned in flight school about using trim tab. So if my main controls were gone, the trim tab would take over as kind of a booster. Mm -hmm. Well, you thought of that in a split second because headed downhill at 400 miles an hour, you didn't have too much time to think. I would think not. So anyhow, I cranked in a little bit of trim tab, pulled out a tree level, got out over the ocean, and flew 400 miles back by using the engines to turn the plane. And when it landed, I had him check the plane out. There was only one hole in the tail section, which cut the control cables. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, five feet further, it would have missed me. Five feet sooner, it would hit me right in the cockpit. So yes, I, I believe then that God did hear me. Yes, he did. I remember that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, that's in my, my history. So, yeah. No, there have been cases like that, and, and there were times when you were sure that you would never make it back, and you did. Um, I would say I kind of regret, in a way, the chaplains we had overseas. Uh, we had three different chaplains in the 22 months I was there. The first one was non-existent. The second one was an evangelist, I excuse the word, I guess. But he would herd the natives out into the ocean and baptize them, and he'd tell us on Sunday how many souls he'd saved. Well, they didn't understand him, and he didn't understand them. Mm-hmm. And then the third one we had was what they made movies out of. He was at the flight line when you took off, and he was there when you came back oh. in case you needed him. Mm-hmm. So I guess you ran the whole gamut of... It sounds everything. like it, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's a, those are basically it. Uh, I did have one other one of me. My side off is Blue Skies. Mm-hmm. There's a little story behind it, if you don't mind. Yes, please. Listening to it. Well, we were on an extended mission to escort what they called a Dumbo, which was a flying boat which would fly in off target and pick up anybody that was shot down. So I was the lead flight, and I would be relieved about 15 minutes later with, by another flight. and So we'd have extended coverage. Well, about two or three hours out, I heard a voice behind me saying, we can't get through, we'll have to go home. And I thought, what does he mean? So I knew that was my relief. So I looked in back of me and there was a big thunderstorm coming up, which, yes, it cut us off completely from our home base. So I called the cat and told him I was going to abort and headed back home. I thought, well, we'd climb over the top of the clouds. Mm-hmm. But the clouds were building faster than the airplane would climb. So I told the guys to suck in tight on my wings and we'd go on instruments. Well, we got through, got on either side of the thing. When the instruments went out, halfway through, they spun like a top. Then when I got out there, I found one man was missing. Well, I called for him and he said he'd lost sight of us. And of course, we, in the clouds, you don't see it. It's a heavy fog, you know. So anyhow, I told him to circle where he was at. We'd come back and get him. So we circled and circled. And finally found a hole. Dove down. And I'd already learned my flight to 
to be alert. Mm -hmm. Well, anyhow, we got back down, and the one was up on top. So now I had two loose gooses. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, I told him that we would circle, and for him to circle too, and mm -hmm. find a hole and come down, which he did. And we picked him up, and we picked up the fourth one. And by that time, out over the ocean, there's no landmarks whatsoever. I mean, you don't have nothing to look at mm -hmm. except the ocean and the clouds, which were down on the level of the sea. So anyhow, there was a little archway about oh, probably 30, 40 degrees away from where I thought our base might be because I had no idea where I was. Uh, and I thought, well, we'll at least clear the storm. So keeping track of time and, and the mileage mm -hmm. of miles per hour. Well, we got through that. I made a navigational correction and said, well, this is home. Cut back your your gasoline mixture so we run on bare minimum, say conserve gas. Mm -hmm. And probably an hour and a half later, guess what popped up over the horizon? A little island, which was our home base. So, matter of fact, one of the guys ran out of gas. The he taxied off the runway. Really? So, again, a little... A little bit of help. Definitely. Definitely help. So, I guess my military life can be summed up in, in faith in God. It says, I figured someplace along the line, maybe I was saved for something. Mm -hmm. Because 20 out of 24 of us didn't come back. And some of them were a lot better pilots than I. Mm -hmm. So that's why it was my military. Yeah, well... I think the your prayer that you need more time. I needed more time. You did, and yeah, you got it. I got it. That, that's. Uh, I can't kick. Mm -hmm. So the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I don't understand that because my family died at forty-eight, fifty-two, sixty. So why I'm still here, ninety-two? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Must be a good gene somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Must been grandma. I probably. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have benefited from all the service that you've provided, not only to our nation, but to our church. Um, before we get into that, I would like you to just state for the folks who are listening uh, to this podcast right now, I, I know that this isn't always what you like to do, but could you just tell us some of the various ways that you have been acknowledged in your service to our nation? Well, actually... I was introduced to the state senate floor in, in Columbus here this last year, which was quite a surprise. Uh, I was on the Red Cross as a hometown hero, so I was a military one there. And I did belong to the Skingham County Veterans Hall of Fame. So I've been relatively active in that field. Mm -hmm. I spent uh, 22 years of active and reserve time. And uh, also after I retired, I found out that the Air Force wanted what they call liaison officers to cover the high schools in this area to help any of the high school students who are interested in the Air Force. So I covered all of southeastern Ohio for 25 years. Wow. And I got a plaque for that, of course. Mm -hmm. I guess uh, <laughs> that's an award. Sure it is. So it, uh, it was, they asked her, they told me that, they couldn't do anything for me because I was already retired. And I said, well, 
I'm not asking for anything. You ask for help, and I'm here. Mm-hmm. So if you want me, I'm here. Yeah. So, yeah. So those are the things that, and even for the church, well, there have been times that you'd like to say no, but I've always kind of prided myself, maybe erroneously, that I've never said no to my church. Mm. Because whatever they want, I would like to be able to have a chance at it anyhow. Right. And I'd like to still continue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the greatest gifts that I think a person can give is availability. Like you said, uh, I'm here if you want my help. Yeah. You know, and I heard some pastor once, somewhere along the line, said, uh, you know, every other type of ability is a liability. Without availability. Well, that's true. <laughs> it doesn't do any good how good you are if you're not available. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also said, uh, as we were preparing uh, to record today, about the Flying Cross. You had uh, received that. Um, oh, the this, Distinguished Flying Cross. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for above and beyond. That that was a mission where um, the Japanese had underground caves at the end of the bay. We bought a hundred foot cliffs at the end and then tunneled it out and run ships in there for repair and that. So it was supposed to be eliminated because it was a pain in the neck for the Navy. Mm-hmm. So we, <laughs> I was lucky enough to draw cards. We cut, I know they call it suicide missions. They, you cut cards so nobody was assigned to the job. Right. I cut it too. So, <laughs> and then I went. Yeah. So anyhow. Uh, we got lined up on, we caught them by surprise. We carried a thousand pound you know, delayed action bombs and I skipped them into the face of the cliff. And we found out a day later that none of them exploded, that the fuses were bad. So anyhow, the next day they said, well, we're going to have to go back again. So we laughed, said, well, good, we've done ours. Somebody else's turn. Right. And they said, no, you've got the experience. <laughs> and you go again. <laughs> Oh, well, my. anyhow, I happened to be leading the flight that time, and I skipped the bomb and went right in the mouth of the cave and exploded, brought the whole cliff down. Mm-hmm. So the DFC was, we're saying we flying across before, above and beyond what they consider action, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that was where the DFC came from. And the, the air medals come from things that are of a little lesser stature than the DFC. So I got the air medal plus six additional ones, really. Mm-hmm. But they get what they call a cluster. So that's that's it. I I got them mounted in there because somebody asked me here well, a couple of years ago, where are your medals at? And I said, I suppose in a box in a drawer someplace. <laughs> so I had them mounted in there. Yeah. So they look, they look nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they're for, well, the past. Matter of fact, I'll show them to you if you haven't seen them. That would be great. That would be great. Okay. Going back to your service to the church, what are some of the the times that you've had the most joy in your ability to serve the church where you've really felt like you're making a difference or that that, uh, maybe you sensed that God was really up to something through uh, what you were participating in at the time? Well, I would say that I've held almost every position except trustee. I've been president for two terms at different times. <laughs> um, 
things ran rather smoothly at that time. And I would guess my biggest thrill was listening to my wife's voice in the choir. Mm-hmm. Because she sang for 52 years. Yeah. And uh, I just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I, uh, I like the, the people we have are good people. To me, just being in church on Sunday is the only place you should be. Um, I just can't think of any place else it would be more thrilling to be than to hear that organ and hear the people sing and hear the Word of God. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm a simple person, like simple things, and they're all pleasing. Yeah. And they're all gifts to us from God oh, to enjoy. Yes. I've been blessed in more ways than one. My children still come to church every Sunday. I wish I could say the same with my grandchildren, but they're relatively well active, I guess. But uh, of course, they're going to school and they're working. And that's an excuse we have anymore for almost everything. I enjoyed, really, believe it or not, teaching one year of confirmation class. <laughs> I never realized that kids that age could be such a big trouble. <laughs> but they were all good. Matter yeah. of fact, one of them turned out to be president of the congregation. Because when we left, we kidded each other yet. He said, I said, you will never mount to a hill of beans. <laughs> I said, now I have to apologize to you. Because here you are, president of the congregation. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and Mike and I get a big laugh out of that. That's funny. You you really never know. <laughs> you don't. No, you Having don't. seen about 16 groups of confirmation classes over my time so far, uh, you just, it, it's amazing how God works in some of their lives and, yeah. and what you think is going to be their future may or may not turn out that way. That's true. And it's, it's yeah. always fascinating. Yeah, you don't, they don't know what kind of path they're going to take. You know, the wrong path is the end, and the right path is good. And we've got some good kids at school, mm -hmm. right at our, our church right now. Yes, we do. And uh, I just hope we can build on that. Mm -hmm. And I always say, well, I don't always, but many days I say, this is the day that God has made for me. Make the best of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talk every night. I thank him for the day. Yeah. So, well, he's been good to me. That's great. He's been good. Yeah. They're all precious oh, every yeah. single day. Yep. Even though you're not happy with where they're at, hey, what do you got to cry about? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, well, it's, it's, it's life. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Along those same lines, I would just be interested in hearing your answer to the question, what is God doing for you today, right now? What what lessons is he continuing to teach you? Well, I would guess he's teaching me patience. And patience is something that I would find hard to have lived up to several years ago. Because I like things done today. I like to do them myself. You saw my grandson mowing the yard. Two years ago, I mowed my own yard. 
did my own yard work. Now I have family that does that for me. And that's a blessing because I enjoy pretty things and nature in general. And the fact you can't do it yourself, you learn you have to rely on other people. And how those people react kind of gives you some sort of a read. Is to do, do, did you do a job when you were raising them? Mm-hmm. And I would have to say I'm quite pleased. Uh, maybe egotistical, but uh, as I mentioned, they're, they're pretty steady. They've helped me, and I thank them for it. And they said, you took care of us when we were small. Mm-hmm. We're just paying back. Yeah. So that's good. You see so many families that are dysfunctional, and the children pay no attention to their parents. That's sad. Mm-hmm. So, and I would say, all of my family loves a God. And, well, I just, I say egotistical enough to think that when Marge and I did a job, which we should have done. So, I guess that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that is one of life's great lessons is opening yourself up to receive help from other people. Yeah. It was hard to do at first. I it is. I can, I can do that. I look around now at things that are being done for me, I would have a very difficult time doing them. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I probably would need help coming in because there are some things I can't do. And other things I do at a <laughs> slow bungling state. And, uh, and I think faith in in life itself is is something that doesn't come overnight. It has to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not one of those lightning bolts that come out and say, gee, all of a sudden I got faith. No, you have to fail enough times and recover to say, okay, it'll work. And, and it, it does. You know, but then there's where patience comes in. And, uh, well, that's... I say that's life. Yeah, right, right. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I'll just—I don't know who is going to listen to this recording. You know, once we put it out on the internet, then mm-hmm. it's fair game, and and that's sort of the idea mm-hmm. is that anybody can pick it up and do what they want with it. And so, with that in mind, if there's somebody who's listening to this and they're kind of searching for something, searching for meaning in life, or they're kind of seeking God, what would you tell them if they were sitting where I'm sitting right now? Well, that's a difficult thing because everybody thinks differently. But if somebody's looking for, shall we say, an example of what can be done and whose help it is that you did it. Just turn to God. Because He made you. He sustained you. Mm-hmm. He guided you. And uh, He's going to take care of you. He's building many mansions for us. And I guess that's what you look forward to. But even then you wonder, is it really true? Yes, it is. So, I guess that faith just kind of grows on you. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. 
Lloyd Barnes, the man who prayed to God to give him more time, to whom a, a, a lifetime of blessings was given. It's a real honor and a privilege to sit down with you today. Thank you for joining me on Voices of Faith. By the way, if you would like to contact us here at the program for any reason, you can send a message to faithpodcast at outlook.com. That's faithpodcast at outlook.com. If you have a question or a comment, if you'd like to support the program in any way, uh, you can contact me there. Again, I'd like to say thank you to Lloyd for joining me here today. You're certainly welcome, sir. All right. And remember, weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning. <laughs>